0: On the
1: Record with Gavin Riley, Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Uh, Rishi Sunak has formally declared his candidacy to be the leader of the Conservative Party. He already leads the race uh, in terms of MPs' nominations to get in, onto the ballot for leadership, which closes tomorrow at 2pm. Uh, Dominic McGrath is a political reporter with the Press Association based, based in Westminster. Um, Dominic, can, can we read very much into the fact that Rishi Sunak has racked up so many nominations at this point or is it all a bit academic at this stage in the race?
2: It's it's a bit of both. I mean, I think what's firstly quite remarkable about this second iteration of the Tory leadership contest is that actually all we have so far from Rishi Sirak, who is, I suppose, technically the front runner, is that statement. We didn't know until, you know, a few minutes ago, half an hour or more ago, that he was actually officially standing. All we had, we've had the same from the Boris Johnson camp, is his briefings, rumours, speculation, um, and yet, that was the first we've actually heard from Rishi Zinak confirming that he actually is going to um, contest the contest. Now, that was always going to be presumed, but remarkably, mm. so far, it was only Penny Mordant who was on the airwaves and on the broadcast media this morning. So, it is, it is significant, it is important that he's come out and said, you know, I am going to contest this. I think he talked about, you know, promising integrity, professionalism, accountability, a clear, obviously, riposte to um, Liz Truss and potentially of course to Boris Johnson as well. But it remains to be seen now whether Boris Johnson actually comes out himself now in the next few hours because of course there were also reports of late night talks, speculation over whether there might be a deal between Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson. And Of course it's important to remember that Rishi Sunak was blamed as the person who helped precipitate Boris Johnson's Mm. downfall only a few weeks ago really. Three months ago, so it, it's all a little up in the air. Things are changing, you know, really minute by minute, hour by hour over here.
1: Yeah, um, I can't believe it's only been in three months. Just extraordinary that you could have Boris Johnson potentially coming back as Prime Minister within 100 days uh, of the last time that he was deposed from that role. Um, let's talk about Rishi Sunak though for a moment, because uh, as you say, we, we hadn't heard anything at all from him, and the only thing that we've heard from him in the course of this vacancy is him confirming inside the last hour and a half or so that he is going to contest the race. And yet, if you look at the the live spreadsheet on the Greedo Fox blog, on order, order dot com. Um, they've already tallied that he's got 142 parliamentary backers um, now obviously we know a bit about Rishi Sunak's outlook because he was Chancellor for the Exchequer so people kind of know what he's about they sort of know his outlook but is it weird that 142 people would be proposing to back him as Prime Minister when we haven't heard from him at all about the most recent financial circumstances facing the UK and rising borrowing costs and the impact on mortgages and everything else that in light of those changed circumstances you could argue that we don't really know what he stands for now
2: I think, I think it's an interesting question. I think that in some ways, you know, Rishi Sunak, perhaps since Liz Truss entered number 10, has been seen by um, some in the Tory party as, you know, the king across the water, waiting for his chance potentially to return. And of course, that chance materialized much quicker than I think a lot of people were expecting. But I think, you know, in part because nearly everything that Rishi Sunak warned about, unfortunately, you know, came to pass for Liz Truss and for the UK economy. You know, he warned that Liz Truss's plan of, of tax cuts borrowing would lead to effectively the crashing of the economy, a loss of investor confidence um, in the UK, and it would lead to, you know, as he said, I think disorder, disaster. I think he's, you know, at one point he off to that. It would be immoral to go ahead with this plan. So I think in some ways he doesn't need to say anything to, I suppose, stress his own economic or fiscal um, credibility but I think is actually more remarkable when you think about it is the sheer array of supporters who are behind Rishi Finac simply because he seems to represent the stability the party is craving. Mm. I mean Steve Baker um, who's very familiar I think to an Irish audience at the moment and obviously through the Brexit negotiations as well as a former rebel, now he's a junior minister in the Northern Ireland office I'm sending love letters across the Irish Sea Um, to the government Mm. apologising to the EU. He's backing Rishi Sunak. Yeah, in fact,
1: let me interrupt you just on that point, Donnie. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, Steve Baker was on Sky News this morning speaking to Sophie Ridge and he was asked about why it is now that he's backing Rishi Sunak and not Boris Johnson. He pointed to the ongoing investigation, because let's not forget there is still an ongoing investigation about whether Boris Johnson lied to the House of Commons about his knowledge of the events of Partygate. And this is a little bit of what Steve Baker had to say about all of that.
0: Boris would be a guaranteed disaster. There's going to be a vote before the House of Commons on this issue of privileges, whether he deliberately misled the House. In that vote, it's guaranteed there'll be a large number of Conservatives who will refuse, as they see it, to lay down their integrity to save him. And at that moment, his premiership will collapse. Now, the best argument I've heard for dealing with that is having the vote on the first day. But that relies on people believing that other MPs think like they do, that you don't vote against a new Prime Minister. That isn't what will happen. 62 MPs resigned from his government over the Pincher affair, which in the end, whatever one thinks about it, was an issue of conduct and character. Well, those same MPs are not now going to go like lambs through the division lobby. So at that moment that there's a vote in the House of Commons on privilege, his premiership would collapse. It's a guaranteed nailed-on failure, and we cannot allow it to happen.
1: Uh, Steve Baker, the former chair of the European Research Group and arch-Brexiteer, and once upon a time a very loyal supporter of Boris Johnson speaking to Sophie Ridge on Sky News this morning saying that he's going to back Rishi Sunak because Boris Johnson would be a guaranteed disaster. Um, to what degree, Dominic, um, is there still a cognizance of the fact that there is still a live investigation into Boris Johnson and the fact that even if he were to be elected by the party members again as leader and therefore as Prime Minister... That all these questions that he ran away from three months ago are still hanging over him.
2: It is a quite remarkable situation. We think how little time has passed, and yes, the fact there is still an active investigation by the Commons Privileges Committee, and I suppose the the arguments you get from supporters and backers of um, Boris Johnson, and they've said this very publicly, is that they, in some ways, just. Dismiss it, they, you know, Simon Clark, who was um, a close ally of Liz Crust, you know, talked about there are no plans to, you know, cancel a, cancel a privileged committee or to interfere with it, use the term, you know, straw man, pointing to that as a reason perhaps not to um, side or back it. And in some ways, you know, you, you have rhetoric that seems to just give the sense that there is no alternative. You know, the arguments for Boris that are put forward that he has a personal mandate from the uh, 2019 general election, which is, of course, true. And, mm-hmm. um, of course, that he has the experience that he, you know, they say got Brexit done. They argue that he was a prominent backer of Ukraine. And there doesn't seem to be a huge engagement with the issue of the committee. You know, N- Nadhim Zahawi, who of course was very briefly, very, very briefly um, chancellor on the Boris, has spoken about a Boris 2.0 just this morning, um, suggesting that you know he's changed, he's learned from his mistakes. So it seems to be a sense that not, I suppose, not trying to find a loophole around the committee, but suggesting that perhaps, you know, Boris has atoned for his sins and can now, you know, return to office Um, anew. Um, Now that's of course we heard from Steve Baker, something that um, his opponents or those backers of Sunak are very much trying to undermine and expressing I think, shock about you can actually plausibly put together a scenario where Boris can have a stable premiership. And I think what's also important to to stress is the coalition that's amassing around Sunak is quite remarkable. You have people like Kemi Badenoch who people remember as Ah, uh, Tory leadership contender, mm. very much on the right of the party. She's backing um, Rishi Sunak as well. You've Chris Philp, who was chief, who was chief secretary to the Treasury, and again one of the key architects and backers of Liz Truss's economic strategy. He's backing Rishi Sunak. So there is a remarkable um, coalition behind Rishi Sunak that does seem to suggest that you know there is this 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 gulf of opposition and fear about Boris returning, doing nothing to stem that. Mm. Um, instability the heart of the government
1: um, A live question which arose yesterday is whether Boris Johnson actually has the 100 signatures that he'd need at this point at least granted there's another 27 hours or so before the, the, the final deadline but the, the, the count on Guido Fox has him at 75, and that includes about 20-odd anonymous members of who held uh, whips roles or their chair of the party or whatever, and that therefore they can't actually disclose publicly uh, how it is that they're voting. And yet his, his camp yesterday were saying, well, we've got the 100, and yet there's only about 50 public names of people who are supporting him.
2: Yeah, it, it is slightly odd, and there are, I'm sure you've seen be plenty of jokes about, um, you know, my my girlfriend lives in another country kind of thing about yeah, she, she's not on facebook she, you'd
1: never you'd never see her yeah yeah
2: and you know there, it does raise an eyebrow when he doesn't have a hundred public backers and of course there's also the question of of penny morton's there in the background you know who she's her cap also says that she has um 100 backers and there's only a, a finite number of of you know 350 or so conservative mps so it it you know not everyone can have this great mass behind them so it remains to be seen you know we might see perhaps um penny mordaunt acknowledging that perhaps you know she won't actually get to 100 and they might split between boris johnson and Richard stevek we don't really know but yeah there is there is a lot of skepticism to to put it mildly about the support that boris johnson has and of course it remains to be seen what boris johnson will do you know his camp has been you know urging him to stand and urging him to and sorry I was stressing that he actually does have that support as you say, but it is it is hard to to reconcile that with the lack of any public um numbers. And also it's clear that you know, Boris Johnson who as we know you know has that idea of a Churchillian comeback in mind, mm. probably will not want to put himself up to stand to contest the race if he knows that he's actually not going to get that support. And, of course, it's an open question um, whether he does. And, of course, while there's plenty of talk about how Boris Johnson is the darling of party members after the chaos of, you know, the last month or so, it's still not guaranteed that Boris Johnson would, of course, be supported by the party members. It's it's still remarkably up in the air, given that the ballot will open in, what, around... 24 hours time
1: Yep uh, 26 hours or so um, Final question for you Dominic and let's just uh, uh, peel back the curtain here and let people through and, uh, and address the fourth wall uh, You used to be a reporter in Leinster House uh, with uh, the PA you were a colleague of mine and plenty of others there at the time um, you, You've moved to the Westminster lobby at, at interesting times How does the pace compare? Because I know obviously we, we served through the COVID times where there was an awful lot of news coming out very quickly at some times but it does seem fr- from my vantage point this lunchtime that the news there just seems to happen an awful lot quicker than it does on this side of the water.
2: It it has, been, it has been quite incredible. So, yeah, so I moved over here in, in June and I think immediately, even before I knew where the canteen was in Westminster, uh, Boris was was, was forced out of office, which was quite remarkable. Um, and then, of course, we were pitched into the tumult of the uh, Tory leadership contest. The first I, may one. Or may yeah. not, I may or may not have have said that um, I'm looking forward to a bit of peace and quiet once you know Liz Truss takes over as Prime Minister and some normal governing resumes, <laughs> which did not did not work out like that. So, I and mean, I still think one of the most remarkable days was actually Monday of this week when we saw you know Jeremy Hunt, who twice lost um, Tory leadership races, ripping up um, Liz Truss's own own budget and effectively becoming a de facto. Prime Minister. I mean, it's one of the most remarkable things mm. I've ever seen. And, and then the rest of the week, you know, got crazier and crazier. So and even, you know, as an as Irish journalist in London, and you talk to fellow Irish people living here, you try and find comparisons, you know, in Irish politics for the level of division and the Conservative Party, for the chaos of recent months. And, I just don't think there is one. I mean, I remember, you know, watching um, Leo Radker take on Simon Coveney and that was a, a calm, quiet, yeah. polite affair by comparison.
1: Yeah, you're, I think you're going back to the, the dying days of the, the Brian Cowan administration in 2010 for something comparable and it was uh, still fought under very different uh, circumstances. Uh, you do also remind me, Dominic, and Olivia, leave you with this, uh, that when Jeremy Hunt trashed Liz Truss's uh, mini budget, that was six days ago literally six days ago just I can't believe how much has happened in the last six days Uh, we'll let you get back to enjoying the rest of your Sunday because I'm sure you've got a busy week to come Uh, Dominic McGrath political reporter with the Press Association based in Westminster thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime
2: on the record with Gavin Riley Sunday morning at 11 brought to you by PwC great minds think unalike different skill sets diverse opinions it all adds up to the new equation on news talk